Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Everybody's talking about it. Inflation is here today, ending child poverty in America. This will be a monthly payment for your children, a tax cut. State legislators from Texas decided to grab some beer and flee the state. COVID-19. The Delta variant poses a threat to Americans of all ages. Being oppressed by communist regimes. Stand with the Cuban people. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday, a political trivia Thursday. Uh, it's, we'll play in a little bit. I think it's going to go quick. Uh, your category, First Ladies. We'll get to that in a little bit. Got a good prize package for you. A lot of fun. Congrats to another Greenville Little League team. I'm sorry if you live outside of Greenville, but, you know, we've, we've got we'll, – we'll tip the hat to other – leagues and other cities as they uh, bring bring in the state uh, championships but uh, hey congratulations to the Greenville Little League Tar Heel 9 10 year olds they're now the state champions they beat Myers Park in Wilson last night 12 to 3 and uh, this is the 27th time a Greenville Little League team has brought home a state championship of course we had the uh, earlier in the week we had the Greenville North State 11U brought home a uh, state championship. Uh, tonight, if the 12-year-old Tar Heel team wins over Winston-Salem National down in Lake Norman, will be or down in the Charlotte area, I should say, uh, will be at uh, 28 state titles. By the way, for those of you who want to watch that game, you can watch it online at MP. MPTLL.org. MPTLL.org. So congratulations to those teams. Way to go. Ted Budd, who was with us last week in studio, his campaign released their fundraising numbers and uh, pretty good. The U.S. Senate campaign Congressman Ted Budd is touting an apparent jump to first place in the primary fundraising race in a press release which came out yesterday evening. The Bud campaign said it had more than $1.7 million cash on hand. Uh, you might remember late last week, Pat McCrory came out with his numbers. He raised $1.2 million, which there are a couple of Democrats in the race. They both have about that same number. So uh, Ted Bud is uh, coming in first. Mark Walker has not released his numbers you know, I was talking to some folks off air. I, I really like Mark Walker. I think he ought to uh, consider running for Ted Budd's congressional seat because I think he's got an uphill climb to win the Senate race. Now, it's possible. It's, uh, you know, it's a long way away. You don't know what can happen between now and then. A slip up by someone, perhaps. But right now, Ted Budd, Budd looks like... Uh, he and Pat McCrory are going to be in a two-man race for the Republican primary. And then, of course, then you get to the general election. Go woke, go broke. Major League Baseball is learning the hard way that catering to the far left isn't remotely helping their desperate attempts to resurrect what was once the Americans' proudest pastime, baseball. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game played Tuesday night. And I've got to admit, now I, I've been... <laughs> I've been so uh, into Little League Baseball with my grandsons playing. I, I haven't been paying much attention to Major League Baseball, but uh, 
I didn't even notice the fact that there was the All-Star game going on Tuesday night until after the fact. Uh, it has tanked in the Nielsen ratings, delivering the second lowest official total in the sport's history. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the game narrowly avoided a third straight all-time audience low with 8.24 million viewers, about 100,000 more than the 2019 game of 8.14 million except it actually could be the lowest viewership because according to uh, THP, it also is worth noting that the Nielsen figures for Tuesday include out-of-home viewing and the 2019 numbers do not. So it is entirely possible that in terms of the number of eyes that were on the game via television was an all-time low. Writing for The Hill, Joe Concha argues that this year's All-Star Game actually should have performed better than 2019, especially given one of the most compelling lineups in the year, one that included Los Angeles Angels' Japanese sensation, who uh, first played in an All-Star first time uh, Japanese players ever played in All-Star Game history. Concha goes on to lament that the economic boost of the MLB's ill-conceived move Businesses in Cobb County, Georgia, which were already devastated as a result of the pandemic, lost at least $100 million collectively in tourism, induced business when the game was moved. Cobb County is a majority black community, while Denver is significantly white. But, hey, the the progressives, they use racism to further their cause, but they don't really care about racial issues. Uh, by the way, speaking of sports and wokeism, the Black National Anthem is reportedly going to be played before every NFL game in 2021. Lift Every Voice and Sing was played. They've, they've played it a few times. By the way, I you know, the, the hymn or the song, I guess it was originally put together as a hymn for black churches. Lift Every Voice and Sing. It's, I mean, the, the, the words of it aren't that bad. I mean, it's it's... There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the words. It's an appropriate hymn recognizing the struggles of black Americans from decades ago. But why this political agenda? Why do we have to introduce this political agenda? And where are we going to stop? I mean, what other anthems are you going to play? Are you going to play a transgender anthem when they come out with one? How about a Christian anthem? How about a Muslim anthem? The... But here's the bigger issue with this. Can we, can we just get politics out of sports? Again, I was, I was up at the Little League games in Winston-Salem. There's no, no politics there, and it was refreshing. And look, I, I'm a diehard political junkie conservative. And I'm sure there was people, I know there was people up there that were, some were, Laissez-faire didn't care, didn't give a hoot, didn't want to talk about it. Others were very liberal. We had a great time together. It's one of the few events where you can get together and set aside your political differences and enjoy some things that you have in common. Could we please do that with sports? I mean, it's totally inappropriate to have some conservative anthem played or some liberal anthem played. And, you know, that is the point. Again, there's nothing wrong with the, with the song per se, but the point is 
E plurals unum is not what they want. They want us to be separated. They don't want one. They want diversity. And I don't mean that. You know, I understand we have a lot of diverse talents, backgrounds, ethnic qualities, all that. That's fine. But they want us separated. They want a diversity of separation. And sports is one of the last vestiges where we could actually be one, regardless of your political background, and enjoy each other's company and enjoy something in common. But no, not anymore. The woke MLB and the woke NFL, their numbers are going in the down the toilets. Which says to me that these corporations underestimate the insight, and really the, the, the high IQ, the high political IQ of Americans in general. Why are they not watching? Because they're sick of it. They're also sick of the arrogance of certain players in certain sports that are complaining, and keep it PG here, complaining, 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 and you can fill in the other words when when and and ask, acting is is if they're you know under the iron boot of capitalism when they're making millions of dollars off of capitalism it just it gets old and people are sick of it Daily Wire is reporting a student group at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill is demanding that the university create anti-racist alerts to inform students when white supremacists come to campus. <laughs> How do you know? I mean, I said this the other day. Is the white supremacist going to wire ahead? Hey, I'm on my way to campus. Black Student Movement, a black student club, announced via Twitter anti-racist alerts that they had sent a list of demands to the chancellor. The group is demanding that the school send out anti-racist alerts as a part of the school's alert system because students should not have to sign up for a new service in order to hear when dangerous white supremacists are on campus. But it, it gets more bizarre. Examples of white supremacists. And this, these are white supremacists that this black student group is citing. When the UNC College Republicans brought in former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski, did you know he was a white supremacist? Apparently so. According to these guys, they were. And when they brought in a pro-life group, they don't mention which pro-life group, but hey, they brought in a pro-life group, so that was a, that's a white supremacist, apparently. The demand from the black student movement to discourage free discourse on campus is a dangerous one and should not be adhered to, the UNC College Republican said in a comment to Young Americans Foundation. It is inappropriate and outrageous to say that Corey Lewandowski and President Trump are white supremacists, and UNC College Republicans denounced the premise. Uh, but, but this, you know, this is nothing new. I mean, haven't liberals been playing the race card for decades and decades? They've just, they just ratcheted it up. I mean, it's old. It is old and nobody buys it. But when they go overboard and, 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 and point to Corey Lewandowski and a pro-life group 
as being white supremacists. Why are they racist? Because they don't agree with Marxist liberal ideology. That's all. But it continues. And they'll get a, they'll get a hearing. Liberals up there, oh, you'll have all kinds of professors and who knows who in, in the administration that, oh, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we got to make sure that doesn't happen. PJ Media, speaking of this, um, is reporting on what's taking place down in Cuba. Of course, you've seen how uh, freedom fighters have taken to the streets demanding that the end of the country's communist dictatorship um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and she was the author of the 1619 Project, and she was also supposed to go to uh, UNC Chapel Hill. She apparently um, had said in recent years, actually in recent months, that Cuba is a great example of a country that's fighting racism. Now, we played yesterday a, a clip from Jan Psaki, who, you know, she just called it mismanagement. Apparently, they came back today and they said, well, maybe it's communism too, but it's the mismanagement of communism. But uh, Hannah Jones, Nicole Hannah Jones, was doing an interview with Vox's Ezra Klein. Klein asks, are there candidates right now or even just places that you think have a viable, sufficiently ambitious integration agenda? And if so, what is it? He asked Hannah Jones. She said, if you want to see the most equal multiracial democracy, well, it's not a democracy, she said, the most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. She explicitly attributed the alleged racial equality to socialism, the very oppressive system which against the protesters are now protesting. <laughs> so she is saying that, oh, it's socialism is what makes it fair. And she might be right in that down in Cuba, it doesn't matter really what your race is. Everybody is oppressed. She goes on to say, Cuba has the least inequality between black and white people of any place really in the hemisphere. I mean the Caribbean, most of the Caribbean. It's hard to count because the white population in a lot of these countries is very, very small. Their countries run by black folks, but in places that are truly at least biracial countries, Cuba actually has the least inequality and that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear, Hannah Jones argued. What's really interesting, there's other articles out today really countering this, that the, the interestingly, white Cubans have many more advantages than non-white Cubans. Much more, much more lopsided than you would ever see in the United States. These remarks echoed Hannah Jones's 2008 article where she disputes the official narrative that Cuba is poor. Cuba, communist, Cuba violates human rights and represents dissent. Education is the cornerstone of the revolution, she wrote. She praised the communist country's education and healthcare systems, saying the latter in particular is a world model. 
black Cubans especially, or remember when, wasn't it Fidel Castro that actually came into the United States for an operation? Why would you do that if uh, you've got the world's best, if you're the world model for healthcare? Black Cubans especially are weary of outsiders wishing to overthrow the Castro regime. This is, again, back in 2008. They admit the revolution has been imperfect, but it also led to the end of codified racism and brought universal education and access to jobs to black Cubans, she argued. Without the revolution, they wondered, where would they be? (laughs) Well, where are they right now? They're in the streets fighting for freedom. Some have been arrested for speaking their minds. After all, unauthorized public gatherings are illegal in Cuba. Funny how communism works that way, isn't it? And listen, the pictures that have gotten out of Cuba, this is not just a—in fact, it is—you talk about integration. The protesters there protesting against the regime— come from every background, every stripe, every nationality, every ethnic group. But here's the thing. Hannah Jones, and and again, the whole Black Lives Matter, the whole Marxist movement, the whole critical race theory, it is all about pro-Marxist. The race issue is is just—they just use that— as an excuse to divide people. It's just that simple. Hey, we've got to take a time out. When we come back, uh, Jen Psaki had a, another press briefing today. And what the White House came out with ought to alarm everyone. This is an unbelievable statement that she made. Uh, she, she's, I think she thought she was just going to get away with this because she's so worried about the health of Americans. But what she said, we'll play that audio when we get back. Uh, you want to hear this. Stay with us. We'll be back in just From the governor on down to the city council. We've got your updates on all things COVID and more. For the latest on the outbreak. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Now, back to news and views. Welcome back in. Take a look at your weather forecast tonight. Mostly clear, a low around 75 A chance of showers on Friday in the afternoon, about a 40% chance, high near 92. Friday night, again, a slight chance of showers, otherwise partly cloudy with a low around 75. And again, pretty much the same forecast for Saturday and Sunday. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Give them a call, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville, 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Talking about uh, what's going on down in Cuba, BLM and uh, CRT, and we've been saying these are Marxist organizations, and now BLM is proudly praising Cuba and condemning the United States as, uh, again, protesters in Cuba are being arrested and even executed. Marxist organization Black Lives Matter released a statement yesterday attacking the United States, upholding Cuba's communist government, and praising fugitive cop killer Asada Sakur, 
Black Lives Matter condemns the United States federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans, and it urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo, the cruel and humane policy instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Cubans chose the Castro regime. Wow. I, and listen, if I, again, we, we've been saying and many, many other people have been saying and, you know, you, you research Black Lives Matter and CRT, it's it comes from a Marxist ideology. Well, does this not just prove the point? When you've got BLM coming out and praising the communist Cuban government <laughs> and saying the United States shouldn't in, interfere, let the people of Cuba Embrace and pick their own government. Wow. A recent study, and again, remember what I just read about Hannah Jones wanting, uh, saying that how, how uh, there, there's no racism in Cuba. A recent study looking at inequality in Cuba revealed a segregated society. 70% of black and mixed race Cubans said they didn't have access to the Internet compared with 25% of white Cubans. The racial wealth gap is also vast. While 50% of white Cubans had a banking account, only 11% of black Cubans said they had one. Meanwhile, Cuba's communists are breaking into homes, hauling off dissidents into prison, and uh, in some cases there's stories of executions taking place as people are protesting. They're willing to lay down their lives because they're sick of socialism, and yet BLM comes out and praises communist Cuba. Nicole Hannah-Jones comes out and prays communist Cuba and talks about how there's no racism there. 70% of black and mixed-race Cubans said they don't even have internet. 25% of white Cubans do. Wealth gap also. Worse than you could ever imagine. But, hey, that again, it's a Marxist organization, and uh, this ought to be Exhibit A. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said earlier today that the Biden administration is identifying problematic posts for Facebook to censor because they contain misinformation about COVID-19. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We we also created the COVID-19, the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the presidents, the vice presidents and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with influencers who also have large reaches to a lot of these target audiences who can spread and share accurate information. OK, let me cut through the crap. They basically, Jin Psaki and the Biden administration is saying, we will decide what you're allowed to hear. We will, through the big tech companies, and the big tech companies are already carrying the water for the progressives anyway. But now Jin Psaki comes out and admits that we're going to be the ones that decide what you can hear. We're going to be the ones to decide what you can post. 
I mean, these are platforms. These are supposed to be platforms that people put material on. And the big tech is not supposed to be editing, not supposed to be censoring. She not only admits that they that the big tech censors, but now she's coming in and saying, we're going to help them. And it, look, if you ever have been wondering why progressives won't give up on milking COVID as much as possible, even though I've got a story here just about how the, the COVID is not an issue anymore. And yet, why do we still have to wear masks? Why are there still places where they want to lock down? Why is Fauci insisting if you're a child and you're not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask? Well, first of all, the children shouldn't be vaccinated. I mean, it's dangerous. But the, so they have to wear a mask. Why do they keep milking them? Why do they want to make this as long? Why, why do they want to keep the suffering going? Because they need a narrative just what Jen Psaki said, just what the uh, uh, Murthy said, who is the Surgeon General, uh, Vivek uh, Murthy, calling on companies to purge more pandemic posts. So if you don't agree with the Anthony Fauci's of the world, the Biden administration is going to censor you. This is why they want to have this crisis. They want to control you. They want to control elections. They want to control what you can hear. They can control what you post. Uh, they want to control the economy. I mean, stop and think about how many how, how the election last year was affected by, quote, the COVID pandemic. How we're giving out trillions of dollars now. Why? Because of the COVID pandemic. And now they are going to come in and censor what you can hear and what you can say because of the COVID pandemic. I mean, this is unbelievable that this is taking place in the United States of America. The, the Biden administration will be the arbiters of truth. They will decide what you can say. They will decide what is going to be put forth. Can you imagine if Donald Trump would have said something like this? Oh, my gosh. By the way, it won't be long before liberals, and, and you've heard some people say it already, before they want to come in and say, well, we need to shut down conservative talk radio. That'll be next. But they're, they're doing all this, and they, oh, we want to save your life. Don't you know you're going to die? Oh, we want to save the children's life. Oh, it's all about the children. This is unbelievable. And again, the... The media platforms are supposed to be platforms where you can post anything. I mean, that's why they can't be sued. Because they're supposed to be unbiased platforms. I mean, basically, you ought to look at big tech platforms as like going and buying a pen and paper at the Office Depot. And you can write whatever you want to write. That's basically why they have... They're exempt from being sued because they're supposed to be a platform. Well, they've been censoring. They've been deciding what you can hear. And my gosh, consider this. Consider the, the fact that Anthony Fauci can't make up his mind in terms of what is right and what is wrong. No mask. Yes, a mask. No travel to China. Yes, travel to China. One mask, two masks, three masks, no masks. Randy Weingarten who is the president of the largest teachers' union, 
she looked at Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, I mean, they've had no, I mean, Florida is a prime example of how to do it correctly. And DeSantis has come out and more and more opened things up. I think among other things, they said kids are going to back to school without masks. Randy Weingarten, head of the largest teachers union in the United States, came out and said, oh, millions will die. Oops. Came out today. Well, maybe not millions. So she can she can make an overstatement like that. But if and and who who is going to decide is Anthony Fauci? Are they going to put him in charge of what you can say on social media and what you can't say? Jen Psaki is she going to decide? Is uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who? Uh, wants big tech to uh, censor anything that he disagrees with, which is going to be anything that progressives disagree with. And look, this is the camel's nose in the tent. And, and you saw it in the elections. I mean, the, the, the corruption in last year's election under the umbrella of, the, oh, we're, we're doing this for COVID protection. And then what, when they, what they do next, they come out with H.R. 1. Let's codify what we did under the guise of our, our COVID election. Let's make it permanent. And if they begin to censor, if you have the Biden administration get away with this and begin to say what you can put up and what you can't put up, oh, because we're trying to protect your life, it, it, it won't stop there. <laughs> Progressives never stop. Oh. By the way, speaking of that, Anthony Fauci asserted that unvaccinated children over the ages of two ought to be wearing masks. Um, Martin Kaldorf, who is a Harvard medical school professor, Harvard, hardly a uh, conservative bastion, come out and said there's no scientific, scientific evidence that masking children is effective. They, uh, even if effective, children have a low disease risk, minuscule mortality risk. They do not transmit. Exactly what I said yesterday. Glad a Harvard School medical professor agrees with me. For the rare transmission, adults should get vaccinated, not demanding masks on children. Children, Town Hall goes on to say, children are extremely slim risk of dying of COVID-19. Some 99.995% of the 469,982 children in England who were infected during the year examined by researchers survived. 99.995. In fact, there were fewer deaths among children due to the virus than initially suspected. Among the 61 child deaths linked to a positive COVID-19 test, only 25 were actually died of the illness of COVID. So in other words, you had the other balance of those children who died. They tested positive, but they didn't die of COVID. There is another revelation in May that COVID hospitalizations among children in the United States were dramatically overcounted. Oh, that's a shock. But they'll decide what you can, I mean, you know, if, you tried to put this on uh, Facebook, Jen Psaki would uh, censor it. In short, we already knew that children are overwhelmingly safe from this awful virus, and the prevalence of the tiny, tragic aberrations um, has actually been overblown. 
says Town Hall. They go on to say, over the course of the pandemic, 49,000 Americans under the age of 18 have died of all causes, according to the CDC. Only 331 of those deaths have been from COVID. Less than half as many died of pneumonia. In 2019, more than 2,000 American kids and teenagers died in car crashes each year, according to some estimates. About 1,000 die from drowning, according to one much-cited paper, the infection fatality rate of those ages 5 to 9 is less than 0.001%. Among 900,000 in-school pupils learning in North Carolina last fall, this is out of uh, a recent uh, report out of Nature, among 900,000 in-school pupils learning in North Carolina last fall, researchers would have expected, based on local transmission rates, about 900 cases of COVID. Turns out, there were 23. In another study, among 20,000 Nebraska students attending school all year there, total cases, two. I mean, what do we constantly hear about? Follow the science. Follow the data. But please, would you follow the science and follow the data? Unbelievable. Hey, let's play a little political trivia, shall we? 561-8255 or 866-963-1037. 561-8255, your category, First Ladies. Got a great prize package. I think it's going to go quick. Give us a call. We'll play political trivia when we get back. All right, welcome back in. Time for a little political trivia, 561-8255. Got a couple of lines open. Give us a call. We've got uh, the category of First Ladies. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Also, a gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free cha- training sessions with a fitness coach, a $20 gift card to the Pirates Cove Car Wash, proud partner of the ECU Courtesy Car Program, a gift for a free round of golf with cart at the Ironwood Country Club, a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner, Mucho Bueno, real street, Mexican street food, Located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West and Havelock. A $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious bake-from-scratch goodies. And also a gift card to University PC Care. Remember, if anyone in your immediate family has won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up, from down in Hyde County, we have Sarah on the line. Hi, Sarah. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing well. You ready to play? Well, perhaps. We'll see. Okay. See what the question is. <laughs> Here we go. Well, your category is first ladies. All right. Here's your question. All right. Three okay. three first ladies, Letitia Tyler, the wife of John Tyler, Caroline Harrison, the wife of Benjamin Harrison, and Ellen Wilson, the wife of Woodrow Wilson. Those three hold a unique distinction that no other first ladies can lay claim to. What is that distinction? Married while the presidents were in office? That is a great guess. That's not it, though. That is a great guess. Thanks for playing, Sarah. Give us a call back. Let's go to Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Hello. Did you hear the question? Uh, If you repeat it. I'd be happy to. Three first ladies, Letitia Tyler, the wife of John Tyler, Caroline Harrison, wife of Benjamin Harrison, and Ellen Wilson, the wife of Woodrow Wilson, each of them hold a unique distinction that no other First Ladies can lay claim to. 
What is that distinction? Wow. Um, and and Sarah guessed that they were all married in the White House. They got married in the White House. That is not it. Okay. What do you think? We lost Stephen. Let's go to Paula. Hey, Paula. Hello. Hey, Paula. Did you hear the question? Hey. Um, yes, I heard the question. All right. What do you think? What is the distinction that these three first ladies hold? Did they all have the same middle name? That's not it. Okay. That's a great guess. Not it. Five six one eight two five five. Give us a call. Let's go to Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, you with us? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Hey. Uh, Time I for a hint? Served, what do you think? Yeah, I think they, I said, I think they served as de facto president while their uh, husbands were incapacitated. That's another great guess. That's not it, though. That is not the distinction uh, that they hold. Good guess. Thanks, Jimmy. 561-8255. Okay, it's time for a hint, I think. So our next caller, 561-8255, you're going to get a hint. Again, three first ladies, Letitia Tyler, wife of John Tyler, Caroline Harrison, wife of Benjamin Harrison, and Ellen Wilson, wife of Woodrow Wilson. They hold a unique distinction that no other first ladies can lay claim to. What is that distinction? 561-8255. Let's go to Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Hi. Time for a hint. Okay. Interestingly, this distinction most likely made the job for their husbands much more difficult. Oh, geez, that, that just blows my guess away. Um, they were handicapped. Um, that is not it. Another good guess, but that is not it. Five six one eight two five five. That opens up another line. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Mary. Hi, Mary. Boy, I got a lot of uh, female callers today. Hey, Mary. Hi. Uh, are you ready for another hint? Yes. Okay. You've heard the question. First hint. Yes. Interestingly, this distinction most likely made the job for their husbands much more difficult. As Letitia Tyler was a mother of eight, this distinction really made things challenging for John Tyler. Oh, man, that just threw me way off. <laughs> um, I'm going to guess that they were very domineering women. That is not it. Yeah, that would have made things more difficult for their husbands, but that is not it. 561-8255. Give us a call back. Try it again. 561-8255. First ladies. I thought it would go a lot quicker than this. 561-8255. Let's go to Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hello, Tom. How are you? Uh, doing well. Um, do we need another hint, or do you think you got it? I think I might have it. All right. What do you think? I think they died while their husbands were in office. That is it. Those three first ladies died while their husbands in, were in office. They were the three first ladies that died in the White House. Mitch, where oh. are you calling from? I'm in Greenville. All right. Well, hang on. Congratulations. You got it. The uh, three first ladies died in the White House. Letitia Tyler died on September 10th, 1842. Following a stroke, Caroline Harrison, wife of Benjamin Harrison, died of tuberculosis on October 25th, 1892. And uh, on August 6th, 1914, Ellen Wilson, wife of Woodrow Wilson, passed away after battling Bright's disease. And by the way, John Tyler did not miss a beat. He got married again in less than a year. 
to Julia Gardner and had seven more children for a total of 15 kids. <laughs> Mitch, hang on the line. We're going to get your information. We'll get you those uh, prizes out to you. Thanks, everybody played. Stay with us. I'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Mitch Landon of Greenville. He got it. Those first three ladies, uh, Letitia Tyler, Carolyn Harrison, and Ellen Wilson, all died in the White House while their husbands were president. Not exactly a distinction you would want. I don't think any of the other first ladies were too jealous of them. Squad member Representative Anna, Anna, Iana Presley, I'll get it out, uh, from Massachusetts, one of the squad members, her campaign has donated over $1,000 to a bail fund group that supports defunding and abolishing the police, according to the latest filing with the Federal Elections Commission. Presley, who reiterated her support for defunding the police last month, made the charitable donation of uh, over $1,200 to the National Bailout, a bail group that supports defunding and abolishing police. We celebrate, this is from the group, we celebrate and honor blackness always. And as black folks continue to mobilize alongside comrades, hmm, interesting word, something that uh, communists like, comrades and co-conspirators to demand a defunding of police and respect for the sanctity of our lives, we are still grieving and mourning the loss of black life, the group tweeted in 2020. Uh, you want to grieve the life of black lives and you want to help make sure that black lives uh, are safe. Um, hey, listen, go into any black neighborhood and ask them. And we've, we've had all kinds of stories on this. Ask them. Ask the people living in black neighborhoods. For that, get, go anywhere and ask any black man or woman who's a citizen of the United States. Do you think we should defund the police? Do you think we should get rid of the police? Overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, they would say, absolutely not. I want to be safe. I want the police. Black, white, green, red. We all want protection. The idea that defunding the police are, is going to save black lives. Wow. Go get your head examined. Congratulations, Mitch Landon, political trivia winner. And we will do it all again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. I'll see you then. Bye.